Opening your Bibles, if you would, to Nehemiah chapter 8. I'll give you a little extra time there to find Nehemiah. Sometimes he gets lost in the shuffle. Uh, Nehemiah chapter 8, we will be there in just a moment. I'll add my uh, welcome to you all. Thank you all for being here. It's so good to have um, a good uh, crowd of folks on the first day of the week. We appreciate our visitors. They mean a lot to us here. As, as we've mentioned, we're relatively small congregation, but on days like this, it's uh, especially joyous to hear the singing, uh, to be gathered together on the first day of the week, and we so very much appreciate you all being here as we worship our Lord on this very special day. This morning, I wanted to uh, speak about how we can be better listeners. Now, I'll go ahead and suffer the slings and arrows that would come my way of um, a speaker telling the audience how you can be better listeners. Sounds a little self-serving, maybe. But I assure you that my motives are pure. After all, hearing the Word of God is one of the things that we engage in as Christians on the first day of the week. I'll remind you of the elements of worship that we find in Scripture. Singing, praying, <laughs> Lord's Supper, giving. We've, we've engaged in all four of those so far this morning. But also preaching and teaching takes place on the first day of the week. And that comes through hearing a message from God's Word. And so it's important for us to give it its due attention. We wouldn't think it strange to hear a lesson on any any of those other four there that precede those, on singing, on prayer, on the Lord's Supper, we wouldn't think it very odd at all to hear a message about one of those things. So why would we think it odd to hear a message about the message? It's part of our worship and therefore it is worthy of our attention. So this morning I'd like to discuss how to listen to a sermon. Again, we approach this from the understanding that what we are hearing here is a message from God's Word. I think you all know me well enough to know that my ego is not so big as to believe that you have all gathered here to hear Kevin Hall this morning. You've come to hear a message from God's Word. And I am the placeholder. I am the one that's delivering that message. It is my job to deliver the Word of God to you and to stand out of the way. Hearing God's word is so vital. In Romans 10, verse 17, Paul says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of Christ. How important it is to our faith to hear the word of God. It's vital. Our faith in Jesus comes from hearing about Jesus. And that sounds circular, but that's the way it is. We build on our faith about Jesus by knowing and hearing more and more about Jesus. Romans 10 there, I quoted verse 17. Back up in verse 14, it says, How then will they call on him whom they have not believed? And how will they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how will they hear him without a preacher? My job as a preacher is to continually tell you about Jesus Christ. 
That's my purpose. That's what it is that I do. Your job as a Christian is to be listening to the words that are being taught and to believe in Jesus Christ. So the preacher has a responsibility, the speaker has a responsibility, but you as a listener has a, have a responsibility too, and that is to build your faith. To do whatever you need to do in order to do that, in order to pay attention to the lesson, because this is an important thing. It's an important thing to hear the Word of God being spoken. So let's take a look at some key things that can make us become better listeners. Some things that we can identify that help us in better hearing or listening to the Word of God. So let's talk about some keys to better listening. And let's understand that this starts, as everything should start, with reverence to God. God's Word is to be revered. This is not um, just a book on a shelf. This is not just uh, ink on a page. These are not just words and sentences and paragraphs. This is the holy word of God. And it is to be revered. If you're there in Nehemiah chapter 8, this is such a crucial point and, and really the thrust of the whole message. I'm giving it away here early. It doesn't mean you can't listen to the rest of it. But this will focus on what we're talking about this morning, here in Nehemiah 8. If you remember the accounts of what's taking place here in the, in the history of Israel, Israel's coming out of captivity. They're coming back into Jerusalem. Um, under Ezra, they're going to rebuild the temple. Under Nehemiah, they're going to rebuild the walls of the city. And there's a restoration that's taking place. They're, they're coming back to the Word of God, to the law of Moses. And they're excited. You can read it in these in these passages, there's an excitement that's taking place. So here in Nehemiah 8, beginning in verse 1, it says, And all the people gathered as one man at the square which is in front of the water gate, and they asked Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had given to Israel. Then Ezra, Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly of men, women, and all who could listen with understanding on the first day of the seventh month. And he read from it before the square, which is in front of the water gate, from early morning until midday. In the presence of men and women, those who could understand, and all the people who were attentive to the book of the law. Now, let's just stop right there and, and make a point. We started at 11 for worship hour, and we're going to go to 12. It's an hour, if my math is correct. Look at what these folks did. From early morning until noon, till midday. They listened to the word of God being spoken. Doesn't that inspire you? Doesn't that give you just a tiny bit of guilt for struggling through a 30-minute lesson? They were excited about this. They were excited about the restoration that was taking place. They were excited about hearing the word of God being spoken. Verse 4, And Ezra the scribe stood on a wooden podium which they had made for the purpose. And beside him stood, I'm not going to read all these men's names, on his right hand and on his left hand. Verse 5, And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was standing above all the people. And when he opened it, all the people stood up. 
Verse 6, Then Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. And all the people answered, Amen, Amen. While lifting up their hands, they bowed low and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Verse, uh, let's come down to verse 8. And they read from the book, from the law of God, translating to give the sense so that they understood the reading. I skipped over those names just so I don't embarrass myself by trying to pronounce them all. Look at what's happening here. They built a podium. Why? So that, they could, so that Ezra could stand up there and talk to them. That was the reason the podium was built. And they listened. And they fell down on their faces. And they heard the word of God. God's word is to be revered. These folks give us a, such a good example of that. There was a time of restoration, and they wanted to hear the word of God. They wanted to be uh, reminded because they were far from it. Remember, they had fallen so far. Israel had been taken into captivity. Judah had been taken into captivity because they would not listen to the word of God. Now is a time of restoration. Now is a time of rebuilding. And they're more interested in hearing the word of God. Great lessons that we can take from that. Let's look at an example from the New Testament. Look over in Acts chapter 4. <clears throat> the book of Acts is all about the word of God going out. The gospel going forth into all the world. Here in chapter 4, beginning of verse 1, it says, as, as, uh, as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the, uh, of the temple guard, the Sadducees came upon them, being greatly disturbed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. What's that? That's the gospel message. They're proclaiming the gospel. And there's lots going on because of that. Verse 3, And they laid hands on them, and they put them in jail until the next day, for it was already evening. Verse 4, but many of those who had heard the message believed, and the number of the men came of about 5,000. The message was being taught. The message was being proclaimed. Some were excited about it. It says here that many believed, about 5,000. Yet there's others who are trying to put these men in prison by what's being said. We'll talk about the Word of God being a sword here in just a few minutes, but the point we'll get out of this is that there's reverence to God's word because people believed in what they heard. They knew that the message coming from these was a message from God. And so they revered that message. In 1 Thessalonians 2 and verse 13, Paul writes to the, those in Thessalonia, he says, For this reason we also constantly thank God that when you received the word of God which you heard from us, you accepted it, not that it was the word of men, but for what it really was, the word of God, which also performs its work in you who believe. Paul's saying, you heard what we were saying, not because you know, it was Paul that was saying it, but because it was the word of God. And that demands our attention. That calls us to understand that the words that I am speaking to you need to be the words of God. If I'm telling you, you know, stories and, and uh, anecdotes, and those are fine if they bolster the, the point in which I'm trying to make, 
But it's my duty to tell you the word of God and to point you to it. That helps us to be a better listener because it's not my words, it's the words of God. Another key to better understanding or to be a better listener is to listen with an open heart. We need to have the right mindset in our hearing. When we're sitting as you are, listening to a, a sermon, listening to, in a Bible class, you need to have an open heart. You need to have an open mind. And understand that you need to be listening and hearing and understanding the things that are being said. It's an active thing. It's not passive. It's active. In James chapter 1 and verse 21, James says, Therefore, putting aside all filthiness that remains of wickedness in humility, receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. In humility, receive the word implanted or receive the implanted word. There needs to be soil there that's receiving this seed. And it's our job to make sure that we are tending that soil well so that we are hearing and understanding and in the right attitude, in humility. Notice what he says there before, putting aside all filthiness that, uh, and filthiness and all that remains of wickedness. Those things in this world need to be put out of our mind so that there's room for those good things to come in. In Psalm 119, verse 36, the psalmist says, Incline my heart to your testimonies and not to dishonest gain. All of Psalm 119, I think there's 176 verses in Psalm 119. Every single verse has something to do with God's word. His ordinances, statutes, sayings, however it's referenced to, every single verse talks about the word of God. And this one in particular says, incline my heart to your testimonies. Do we pray for that? Do we think about that? Are we asking God to... Let us have an open heart, an open mind, so that we can receive that implanted word. That's the key to becoming a better listener. The good example, the, the great example, I, I'd, I'd kind of parallel this with what we read over there in Nehemiah from, in the New Testament about those noble-minded Bereans. Probably heard this a million times that those Bereans were more noble-minded than those in Thessalonica, for they received the word with great eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see whether these things were true. Paul and Silas has come to the synagogue, and he's telling them, they're telling them about Jesus Christ. And what are they doing? They're receiving it with great eagerness. But what else are they doing? Searching the scriptures daily to see whether these things are so. I encourage you to search your scriptures daily. I encourage you to be searching your scriptures right now to make sure that the things that I am saying are so. That's the responsibility you have as a listener. And guess what? <laughs> That'll help keep you engaged. That'll keep those eyes, eyelids a little less heavy. When you're diligently searching the scriptures, you're engaged in the process here of learning more about Jesus Christ, learning more about the gospel. Another key to better listening 
is to listen with an ear towards application. You know, we need to be able to put God's uh, word to use. God's word is not passive. Paul talks about, uh, equates the word of God with the sword, as he's, he's speaking there in Ephesians 6, about putting on the armor of God. Remember that? Shotting your feet, put on the breastplate of righteousness. Take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. What does a soldier do with a sword? Well, that's, that's his implement of destruction, right? That's what he uses in battle. That's his tool. It's not just hanging by his side. It's to be used. The Hebrew writer talks about how the, word, he, the Hebrew writer equates the, the word of God to a two-edged sword. It says it's living and active. It can separate bone from marrow. And it's able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. That doesn't sound like a passive thing to me. That sounds like something that's very active. So you're holding in your hand something that's active, something that's useful. So take advantage of it and put it into use. Look with me in Philippians 4. Here's a way in which uh, uh, you can think about application. Paul says here to the Philippians, Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence of anything worthy of praise, let your mind dwell on these things. The things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, Practice these things, and the God of peace shall be with you. Does that sound like that we can walk out of here after the, our worship this morning and just go back into the world and forget everything that we've thought about and talked about here? This tells me I need to be meditating on those things, letting my mind dwell on those things. I think the New King James says meditate on these things. That's the, the application, putting these things into practice. The good things, whatever is of excellence, whatever, everything worthy of praise, these things are what we need to be focused on. Making an application, putting them in our lives. Colossians 3 verse 16 says, let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. That sounds like a very active thing to me. Paul, in talking to the young evangelist Timothy in 1 Timothy 3 verse 15, he says, I write so that you will know how one ought to conduct himself in the household of God. Paul didn't expect Timothy just to, to read this letter and to put it on a shelf. He intended him to read this letter and to put it into practice. How you ought to conduct himself in the household of God. You say, well, that might be limited to the worship service. Okay. But are we going to start trying to draw lines between what's okay in worship and what's okay out in the outside world. There's a term for that. It's called hypocrite. We need to make sure that the things we practice in this world are right and decent and honorable and of good repute. Don't let that word hypocrite be attached to you. It's hard to overcome. 
another key to better listening, is to be listening with an ear towards sharing the message. The words shouldn't exist in a vacuum. The words that we, in Bible class this morning, the words you're hearing now, the word of God in general, it doesn't exist in a vacuum. It exists throughout the world. And it's our job to continue to sound forth that word so that it doesn't exist in a vacuum. God's relying on us to do that. We have that responsibility. We have that charge. In 2 Timothy 2 and verse 2, again, as Paul's instructing the young Timothy, these things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. There's a passing down of knowledge. There's a passing down of responsibility. How else do you think we get more preachers and more elders and more deacons and more saints? There's a passing down that needs to take place. We need to make sure that we are doing our, doing our part, having an ear towards sharing the message, what we've heard here today. It's this attitude of, of come and see. Look in John 1. We were in, we talked about this in our, our Bible class this morning. In John chapter 1, as Jesus is starting to assemble his disciples, there's a talk here of, of Peter and, and Andrew and Philip and Nathaniel. In John 1, beginning of verse 43, it says, The next day he purposed to go forth into Galilee, and he found Philip, and Jesus said to him, Follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, of the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. You think there's excitement in what Philip is saying here to Nathanael? We found him. We found the Messiah. The one that the law of Moses and the prophets have been pointing us to all these years. We found him. Nathanael said to him, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, come and see. That needs to be our attitude. Can anything good be happening down there in the little fishing village of Cortez? I didn't even know there was a church there. Come and see. Come hear the word of God. Come study the Bible. Come see what Christians do on the first day of the week. Come and see. As we're listening and hearing the word of God, we need to be having that ear towards sharing this outside of these walls when we walk out of here. There needs to be that sharing, that passing on, the passing down of knowledge. Look with me now over in Luke 24. Probably just a page turn backwards for you. Luke chapter 24. Remember those two after Jesus is resurrected from the dead? There's two that are on the road to Emmaus. They're having a conversation amongst themselves about the things that have taken place. And Jesus comes along and walks with them. And they don't recognize him. Love that story. But eventually, they do recognize him. In verse 32, it says, And they said to one another, Were not our hearts burning within us while he was speaking to us on the road, while he was explaining the scriptures to us? Remember, Jesus was telling them about the, the things. Um, verse 27, And beginning with Moses, with all the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself and all the scriptures. 
Now that must have been a pretty good walk. Verse 33. After this, so Jesus is telling them these things. Their hearts are burning within them. This is what they say. In verse 33 it says, And they arose that very hour and returned to Jerusalem and found gathered together the eleven and those who were with them, saying, The Lord has really risen and has appeared to Simon. Is that the attitude that we, we have? Come and see. The Lord is risen. Were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us about himself? They left that very hour. Risked life and limb to travel at night. I preached a sermon about this some time ago, talking about this. It wasn't safe to travel during the night, but they did anyway. And they went back, they found the eleven, the apostles, and they said, Jesus has resurrected. And it showed himself to Simon. Do we have that attitude? Hearing what we've heard today, are we ready to run out these doors and say, listen, Jesus Christ has, arrived, has risen from the dead. We read there from Acts chapter 2. That first sermon that Peter delivers there on the day of Pentecost. And he tells them, th those that are gathered there, that, that you've put to death the Son of God. The one that the prophet spoke of, the, ones that, the one that were, the, the scriptures were telling us about, the prophets were telling us about, he has come, he has walked this earth, and you've put him to death. And they were convicted by what was said. Verse 36 there of Acts chapter 2, Therefore let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. They heard they heard what Peter was saying. And what was their response? Now when they heard this, verse 37, they were pierced through their heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brethren, brethren what shall we do? Peter said to them, Repent and let each one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. They recognized that they had sinned. There was a recognition that they needed to make a change in their life. Brethren, what shall we do? Have you heard the good news? Have you heard about Jesus Christ? You heard about the man that left heaven, emptied himself, came to the earth in the form of a man, he preached and he teached during his three-year ministry. He was about 30 years old when he began his ministry. He preached for, his ministry lasted about three years. A lot happened in those three years. Lots of things happened that pointed to him being the Christ, being the Messiah, the promised one, one sent from God. And because he did that, and because he then went to the cross, laid down his life for us, we have a hope of salvation and an eternal life in heaven. That's the good news. That's what the Bible tells us. That's what Scripture tells us. That's what the Word of God tells us. Not me. Not anybody other men, women gathered here today. That's what the Word of God says. We are 
well to, rec to echo that. We are well to point people to it and say, look, this is what the Word of God says. My job is to point to this and say, look, this is what the Word of God says. But this is the good news. You've heard it today. What will you do with it? If you're not a child of God, I encourage you to study further. To understand what God requires of you. To become a child of God. We can help you with that. If as a child of God, you're not living the life you should. You're not sounding forth the good news. I would encourage you to do that. To make things better. To make corrections in your life. Whatever your needs might be, you can let them be known by coming forward as we stand and sing to encourage you.